For Truth with a Texas Twang, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff women store in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is Luke 2.19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, Noonday Exploration is our sponsor for today's show, and we are bringing you such a fabulous show. But I want to thank Noonday first. They help people, families, by purchasing oil and gas royalties from estates. For more information, call 903-530-9352 or go to Noonday Exploration. So today my guest is Ben Shaka. Ben, thank you so much for joining me. So glad to be here, Kathy. Thank you. And Ben just recently did an episode with us, which we called Meals from Mars, When Two Universes Collide in Racism. Ben, that was such an amazing parable, and I invited you back because I wanted to hear more about how we, as little bitty Kathy Craffy and little old East Texas, how can I make a difference in this community where I live? And I know you have firsthand experience, and I'm so I'm very excited about getting your wisdom for, for that today. We're going to call this episode Overcoming Racism with Unity, and I know you mentioned uh, reconciliation and justice in that episode when you told your personal story, so I want to come back to those themes and just let you open up and tell us what you think we need to know to be equipped to change the culture we live in and bring unity to our culture. That's a lot of uh, it's a it's a big question. There's probably a lot of different roads that you can take to that. Um, I think I think one of the things maybe starts um, with a with a question, and that's for all of us. Is um, we talk about unity, I, I like to just consider an analogy or a metaphor, I guess, that Paul provides for us in First Corinthians 12, where he talks about us being a body. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he talks about um, describing that some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are knees and elbows and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, but he does he does make a couple of important statements. One is that he says every single part belongs. Um, he mm-hmm. says every single part is needed. And then um, I think that he ties it all together with this third point, which I think is really, really crucial, as he says in verse 26 of chapter 12. He says if one member uh, suffers, all members mm-hmm. suffer. If one member rejoices, um, all, all members rejoice. And so one of the things that I would like to say is that one of the questions I do think we need to ask ourselves is do we believe at our at our core that we need diversity, you know, that we need we have a need for our brothers and sisters in Christ from diverse backgrounds. And then the second thing I think is really important is the question surrounding lamentation and saying, do we suffer according to that verse in, in, in verse 26? Do we suffer when other members suffer? And um, this is one of the things that I think has concerned me that sometimes I believe reveals our disunity is that when we see others suffering, there's sometimes a response of indifference or just kind of a rationalization. And, you know, we slam our finger in a door. Um, it's usually we end up yelling something out. Our mouth will blurt something out. 
sometimes it's not always appropriate. Uh, you know, we <laughs> use our other hand to grab that finger that got slammed and try to console it and, 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 mm-hmm. and protect it. And that's just how I design our physical bodies. I don't know if we always do that very well uh, with our body of Christ bodies, um, particularly with people that are different from us, those other appendages that may not necessarily be as like us. And so I do think those are great starting points as we look around a nation that's hurting and grieving. Mm-hmm. What is our initial response? Does our heart break? Are we saying, Lord, this is terrible? Um, how can I be a agent of peace and help and hope in this situation? Or are we typically kind of a channel changing person that kind of sees it, moves on and says, that doesn't directly touch me. So I'm kind of indifferent to that, you know? Uh, Well, you're bringing up so many great points. You know, I remember when my kids were little teaching them to say, I'm sorry, your finger hurts first because our initial response, human nature, is to say, well, I didn't do it. I didn't slam your finger in the door. So right. to just teach my children, it doesn't matter who slammed the finger in the door. First, we say, I'm sorry you hurt. Yeah, that's it. Co-suffering. I think that's what, obviously, our Savior Jesus demonstrated that the most uh, by entering in and then uh, mm-hmm. you know, bringing weeping with those who, who, who wept and getting uh, neck deep into tough stuff. So um, I, I do think, you know, if there's, you know, a second piece to your question is just, again, you know, avoiding, a, a like I'm saying, a retreatist mindset, but actually mm-hmm. someone who's tending to try to rush into situations and, and be involved in an agent, as an agent of change or just someone who, who's deeply listening. Um, you mm-hmm. know, that's another part of lamentation is just to sometimes sit and listen Um Again, I love uh, when Jesus went to the tomb to raise Lazarus. I mean, he really let those sisters go off on him before he raised Jesus from the dead. And I, mm-hmm. Lazarus, I think what's so beautiful about that is he's saying, mm-hmm. your, your pain matters. I'm, I'm going to listen mm-hmm. to this up, even though I'm about to do something remarkable and miraculous. And um, so are we good listeners? Are we willing to, to put in the time to, to listen to those that are different from us in a way that's meaningful, that gives them dignity? And... Mm-hmm. Um, that shows them that they that their, their pain, in fact, is is mine as well. What do you say when you hear people? Sometimes I hear people justify indifference. I think we can get saturated. I I am surrounded by people who are very generous and loving uh, from all walks of life, but that seems to be a common denominator among my friends, my close friends here in East Texas. They're very loving, generous people, and and they can get saturated with requests for all kinds of help. So, but occasionally I'll hear somebody justifying their indifference and they might say something like, well, you know, people need to take responsibility for their decisions. Some of these aches and pains that one group or the other experiences because of their own, um, their consequences to their own decisions. So how do you respond when you hear somebody justify their indifference with, that kind of comment yeah well on one hand you can kind of you know you can see an angle on that um i i think again one of the things i I mean if i can just keep taking us back to to the scriptures where i get most of my my fuel and my my mind shape from is again john Mm -hmm. chapter 9 is one of my favorite chapters in the bible where jesus heals the man who was born blind but if you Mm -hmm. remember at the beginning of that story when they walk into the city the disciples initial action or question was who sinned this man right that he was born blind and so we, we right. sometimes like to look at situations and we're almost like immediately going to this empiricist 
mode where I've already kind of got this figured out. I've got you sized up, so I will help you or love on you depending on what I've diagnosed. And um, so sometimes we can do that and say, you know, who send this this child or his parents that he's living in a, or he's zoned for a failing school or mm-hmm. that he found himself in prison. And it's not always that simple. And you mm-hmm. know, Jesus was it's neither of those it's really so that god can get glory that's what he said so um, i do think that our tendency is to err and i'm going to speak for myself as a member of white majority culture but we do tend to err too much on individual human responsibility now we are responsible we are we're totally responsible Mm -hmm. you can't push that to the side but one of the things that I think we can we can get away from when we think about justice, and this has been well explained to me by others, is that when you're when you're living in poverty or if you're living in a situation where there might be systemic injustice, your your opportunities for good decisions go way, way down. So if I'm if I'm poor and I'm looking over my hands at what I have left to to take care of my power bill, my water bill, groceries for my kids, and uh, some other major situation, I only have enough for one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? Um, I've never been in a situation like that. Um, and so it's not to say if someone decides to do something wrong after that to, to find that extra money, we don't say, well, that's okay. That makes sense. However, mm-hmm. let's also consider the fact that they have far fewer good choices mm-hmm. at that point. And I think that's something that poverty can do um, that can eradicate a lot of opportunities for people to have as many good options as many of us might have in other situations. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is so. That's so insightful. It's even hard to imagine that, and and I think I think imagination is a big part of understanding other people's perspectives. To even be open to other people's perspective, we have to be willing to use our imagination and try to understand empathetically how it mm-hmm. would look if I was in those if I was in those shoes. Yeah. How would I how would I feel and what would I do? Um, I think our imagination is a big part of understanding and crossing boundaries. Our, our, it's interesting, human nature tends to put boundaries up. We have a great imagination for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but pulling right. them down is a whole different item. So as we go, we're, we've got about two minutes on this segment, and then we'll come back for and finish up with some great wisdom from you. But as we go into our next commercial break, would you tell me a little bit about how people are using your book for as a tool to cross those boundaries? So I think there's a couple of different ways. Some people are just reading the book just as an individual read for themselves to um, kind of, again, hear different sides of different topics to um, just kind of have their own imaginations, as you just said, or their own ideas stretched a little bit. Um, I think the the more encouraging things are, are people that are using that book um, to in a smaller group setting so mm-hmm. that not only are they encountering the same literature, but in their book group or their classroom or their Sunday school are able to take the book and, and then kind of extend the conversation with other people to have meaningful debate, uh, maybe even mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. discussion where they can wrestle through those issues. And so thankfully NavPress included a 20 question discussion guide in the back that I think is very, very useful for facilitating those conversations. And uh, so I'm, I'm very encouraged to hear about people that are using it in that format. Cause I think that's only going to enrich the conversation. Well, I wish I could be a teenager in a class, a modern classroom in the public school system today, and hear the kind of 
heated conversations that would come out of this book, the way you presented it. It's amazing. So we're going to go to our break, and I want to thank Noonday Exploration again for presenting today's episode. Now, Meals on excuse me, mealsfrommars.com is out there, and you can find more about Ben on that website, or you can just get a book from Kindle or or uh, Amazon.com. And don't forget about KathyCraffy.com, too. So we were, we're going to be back in just a minute to talk some more with Ben. He's going to give us some real specific help. So stay with us. Don't want to miss a moment at Fireside Talk Radio. So stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. Y'all to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door. And the next house over is a grocery store. I'm here with Mary Ottman, and I asked her to tell you about Water to Thrive. Water to Thrive builds wells and changes lives for people living in rural villages in Africa. Waterborne illnesses have killed more people than all of the armed conflicts combined since World War II. In fact, 5,000 children under the age of five die each day from waterborne diseases. Since 2008, Water to Thrive has built 750 wells, benefiting 400,000 people. You can make a difference by donating at www.watertothrive.com. W-A-T-E-R-T-O-T-H-R-I-V-E dot org. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Don't stop. Each week, join Coach Frankie Picasso for Mission Unstoppable, where you'll meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Join Frankie Picasso every week for Mission Unstoppable and learn how. Hi, this is Kathy Craffy with Fireside Talk Radio, and I'm here with B.J. Garrett, the Executive Director of CARE. Christ-centered abortion recovery and education. We are here to help men and women have their lives restored after an abortion experience. If you want to know more about how to recover after abortion, look for our upcoming episodes on Fireside Talk Radio with BJ and Kathy Craffy. Thank you. Oh, miles and miles of Texas. Yeah. We want to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio, where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Hi, we're back with our very special guest today, Ben Shaka, amazing, influential person because of all he has done to reconcile people to each other. We've been talking about the struggles people face on this topic of racism. It's so timely, Ben. I'm just so grateful that you're here. And in this last segment, he's going to share some really specific things 
with us about how one little person can make a big difference in a community. And so there's so much to talk about. I'm afraid I'm going to get off topic, Ben. Um, so I want to ask you the megaphone question because I don't want to forget. I call This is my favorite question. I ask it every time I interview anybody for all these years as a, a newspaper person and a columnist and now on podcasting and radio programs. So this is the megaphone question. If you had one thing you could shout through a megaphone and all the world would hear it and download it into their brains, what would Ben Shaka shout? All right, so the megaphone. Yeah, I um, I think that um, I would like love for us to think through, and this may be way outside of the box, but just um, to think about who we are more than what we're just supposed to be doing. Uh, I think identity mm-hmm. is so important, um, and sometimes we lose sight of that. We get caught up in decision-making. We get caught up in um, the places we're supposed to be and the things that we're supposed to, to do. But the, the one of the things that I think is very instructive for, for me um, that I hope other people will grasp a hold that has led to more and more purpose, for me and more and more peace, is that um, uh, we are called to be, not to do, but to be peacemakers. Um, mm. One of my favorite words from Hebrew is the word shalom, where we get the word peace, and it just means to make harmony and delight in all of one's relationships. And so for mm-hmm. that could be for, between us and God, between us and other people, us and the world around us, us and culture, but also just us and ourselves, our very selves. And I just it's one of the richest words I've ever found. And um, that's what I that's how I see myself, and that's how I hope other people will begin to see that. We live in a world that is so broken. Um, our country has a lot of struggles and issues. Uh, so does the rest of the world. And so if I wake up each morning, it's not what should I do, but who should I be. Mm. Uh, it changes things so much. So I already know what God has built me to be. It doesn't mean I can do it perfectly. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it with excellence every day. But it really changes things so that I'm not living necessarily through a checklist, but just wherever I put my feet, uh, wherever I put my body, my life, hopefully um, I'm able to bring some shalom to, to whether it's the, mm. the lady at the grocery store who just seems frustrated or it's when I'm in church the next Sunday and I see uh, somebody who's going through a struggle or somebody in my family or it could be like the work that I've been called to do in this community in which I am. I'm hopefully living out being a peacemaker and um yeah, I love that verse. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And so uh, if we are being that, I think what Christ is saying to us there is that we are being like his family. We're carrying on the family business um, of being a peacemaker in a world that desperately needs more. I love that. I have a dear friend who I just admire very much. And when when he hears this episode and that word shalom, he's going to love that, that you picked that. That is really powerful. Well, okay, so you mentioned justice and reconciliation and peace. And I know they're all tied together. Sew that up for me. Explain to me how justice fits into peace. Yeah, so um, I think that they're they're really closely correlated. So you can only make peace or be a peacemaker in a place where it's missing, right? You, it's the opposite of peacekeeping. So wow, peacekeeping is something that I think we all tend to fall into in a default setting. So for me, mm. peacekeeping is essentially saying I've been able to establish a certain amount of shalom for myself. It might be through my background, my education, my career, or whatever. And then I do what I can to protect and preserve that peace at all costs from anything or anyone who might take it. And sometimes people say, well, that's practical. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, you're mm. supposed to kind of 
hold on and, 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 and maintain kind of what you've got and, and maintain safety really. But mm-hmm. you know, justice is about, is about stepping out into a place where peace has been compromised, uh, where mm-hmm. peace may be not even accessible. And so at Restoration Academy, we've been seeking to do that for almost 30 years. I've been there, this is 18 for me, but mm-hmm. educational justice, um, thousands mm-hmm. upon upon thousands of our children are zoned for uh, schools and settings where they just do not have access to a quality education. And so mm-hmm. the African-American pastor who founded our school almost 30 years ago said, look, every single kid should at least have a choice, should at least have mm-hmm. access to quality education. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, that's that's a measure of peace. Um, there's so much that. there now that starting at age four, if a kid comes out into a, a failing school or is born into poverty, they're going to be on a trajectory that's going to be very tough to recover from for the rest of their life. And so you think about that for a moment and think how important uh, bringing justice through education is, not only for that individual kid and their family, but for just American society. So um, yes. I think two are very, very closely related. I love it that you're talking about education as, a, as an instrument of peace and justice. That, that is a really beautiful thought. Um, I'm going to have to take that home and ponder over that myself a little longer. So when you think about justice, like, for instance, sometimes we try to keep the peace you mentioned almost in a codependent kind of way where we're not willing to rock the boat because we don't want to disrupt. I've done several things on fear, and one of the ways we respond to fear is by freezing and that means we don't take action. And so talk to me a little bit about how that can impact justice, like even through education. The, the freezing factor or just kind of the, yeah. Yeah, the codependent yeah. thing where we're afraid to speak up, afraid to do anything because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to make things worse. Yeah, so that's a good insight, and I think I think that gets back to a little bit of what I was saying about making peace. That it can only we can only be a peacemaker and make peace in a place where it's been missing or where it's been compromised. And so, being a peacemaker will always entail risk. It has to because if I'm stepping out into a situation, a relationship, a context where peace has been violated or it's vulnerable, that means that I'm at risk, right, of being someone getting angry at me, of even maybe possibly being hurt. That's what our firefighters mm-hmm. and our, and our yes. many, many, many of our police officers are doing each day is they're entering in as peacemakers into contacts and places where there's whether it's been robbed through fire or danger or whatever. So risk is, there's a risk, risk. There has to be risk. Yeah. And that's the uh, as we celebrate Christmas and, you know, as we're celebrating the coming of Jesus, that's the incarnation is the, he's the ultimate. They call him the prince of peace right so he, mm-hmm. he entered into a broken dangerous world and actually allowed that world to kill him so that we could have a relationship so i think that's the that's at the heart of peacemaking had he not taken that risk uh it'd be a different world today well i want to ask you just to change i'm gonna shift gears because we're going to come to the close but if you do you have any stories like because i ask you this ahead of time was there one story you wanted to be sure you shared before we finish this episode well, I mean, depending on the time frame, I mean, the, the ultimate story is uh, that I have is really just the origin story of this entire ministry that I'm a part of. So, yeah, tell you know. it to me quickly because I don't want to yeah. miss that. That's precious. Yeah. So Anthony Anthony Gordon was um, an African American pastor. He planted his church in the east side of Birmingham in 1983. He was really excited about just having a small church there and hopefully being an impact in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. By '86, he had to officiate the funerals of five different young men. <sighs> killed due to gang and drug violence and so 
just got really burdened with two realities. One is how do I spend a ton of quality time with young people on his church and his evening services were just not enough time to compete with a lot of the gangs and the drug dealers and even some of the failing schools in the community. But he was also frustrated with the fact that a good bit of the the folks in Birmingham were deeply aware of what was going on in his neighborhood, but really doing next to nothing about it to make any change. And so um, he's someone that I like to call a solutionary, who rather than just complaining about the situation, <laughs> steps in there and does something. And so he used a real raggedy wing of his church to start the school. Uh, 69 high school boys showed up for the first day of class in 1988. Wow. Wow, and, that's uh, impressive. It was kind of a survivor school for a long time, just living off of charitable donations, which we are still doing to this day 30 years yeah. later. But God sent some extraordinary stuff. For the last 11 years in a row, 100% of our seniors have been admitted to college. Wow. And, um, most of them are the first in their family to attend. And I love sharing that because I'm only second generation in my family to go yeah. to college. And so. We're just seeing a lot of transformational stuff, and a lot of our graduates are coming back to serve on our junior board or to come back wow. in as tutors and volunteers and pouring themselves back into the neighborhood that they came from. So that's that's really the heartbeat of the school, and hopefully by God's grace I'm able to try to perpetuate Dr. Gordon's legacy and continue to do this great uh, great work that he started as a peacemaker 30 years ago. i got to tell you, it brings tears to my eyes. There's so much hope in what you're sharing. I, I want to thank you so much. And when you see Sarah this evening, will you tell her thank you for me too that – she and your children were willing to participate in that with you. I really appreciate it very much. Oh, absolutely. Kathy, thank you. I'm going to take the last few minutes because as much as I want to keep talking, I want to tell people how they can get Meals for Mars by Ben Shaka. You can get it on Amazon.com. You can also get it on MealsForMars.com. I encourage you to buy one for yourself and one for a friend. It is a great read, and honestly, it's great for Sunday school, classrooms, anywhere people are frustrated and want to make changes and just really don't know how. This is a very unthreatening, engaging, lovely parable it's a story told in fiction that will give you insight into any other perspective that you're interested in on this issue. So I just encourage everybody to go and buy it. I also don't want to forget to mention that Noonday Exploration bravely and kindly sponsors these shows for us so that we can talk about these some of these controversial topics. If you would like to learn more or want any information about our sponsors or our guest on today's show, you can go to kathycraffy.com. That's K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Echo.com. And I'd love it if my listening friends would suggest other guests that they would love to hear from or any topics that you would like to know more about or be able to talk about in an unthreatening way. I want to thank our listeners for joining us today on Camp Crafty Fireside Talk Radio, where we ponder all the tried and true stuff women store in their heart. That's truth with a Texas twang, and today we added a little Fairfield, Alabama for everybody. Ben, you want to say something goodbye real quick? I just want to thank you so much for being on, uh, allowing me to be on the show, and appreciate the opportunity to talk about the book. And I just hope that all of the listeners are encouraged and just continue to, uh, during this Advent season in particular, just uh, wrestle with what it means to be a peacemaker in the world in which we find ourselves. So thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure, and I want to say shalom. Amen. Shalom to you, too. Thank you for joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. 
Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. Oh, Johnny and Johnny.